0: I'm not know. I'm the one in i gotta the one in those movies. I'm not the in the in not the not Revolution is the genocide, Yup. your execution will be televised, don't cross me like Isaiah, that shit be ill-advised, dark horse rap black sheep, they got me vilified, castrated niggas and they feelings on IG, won't ever let this industry demasculize me, I do murder face, don't need no mask to disguise me, through my effing in the stash, I think them crackers behind me, He pulled me over, I asked him, yo, what's the problem, sir? I swear to fire Potholes, man, I had no option, sir. No option. Just let me go, because my license insurance proper, Check,
1: sir. check, one, I two. On this is the pilot episode, man, of Off Safety. Tread lightly around this thing, man. Y'all be careful. Proceed with caution. Uh, I want y'all to tag us on all of your social medias, your Instagrams, your Facebooks. This is the Off Safety... F- podcast. I am DJ Lenny and I got my co-host here. Introduce yourself. Uh, I
2: am Rico, the great one. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it just is what it is. I am the great one. Uh, I just want to say I hope everybody's staying safe out there, staying safe from COVID and I hope everybody's getting to some money and uh, we're gonna get this thing pop.
1: Um, I'm gonna tell you all something about this nigga. Uh, first of all, he said he's never wrong. He said the next time he's wrong it'd be the first time he's wrong. So They're you're going to find out through the duration of this podcast that this nigga's wrong a lot. It's just that he just thinks he's never wrong. But it's all good. That's, we're going to get to grow together. We're going to learn each other, and we're going to move this thing forward. Now, go ahead.
2: I could be less right. I ain't going to be wrong, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Y'all see what I got to deal with. So it's all good. So, the very first topic, since you said everybody's staying safe from COVID-19, um, you know, everybody think it's, some people say it's not real, some people say it's a conspiracy, um, all that stuff is pretty, pretty hilarious. So, how do you feel about the NBA restarting the season here after everybody's getting sick when they shut the NBA season down because of one case?
2: Just hearing you say that, it makes absolutely no sense. But the NBA is a capitalist organization at the end of the day. It's run by a bunch of billionaires just like everything else in society is. And uh, we see how they react to our lives as far as keeping us safe. They want everybody to go back to work. The NBA owners are no different. They want their product to be out there on the court so that they can get them marketing dollars, them TV dollars, and uh, get them fans in the seats even though they ain't going to really have that option. This time around with everybody going to Orlando. But they got to get some of the money back that they are spending on these players. That's just the way it's going to work. Capitalism is going to always win in a capitalist society.
1: So, basically, I ain't going to pay you niggas all this money to sit at home. And I ain't making no money. Is that what you're saying?
2: Not at all. The NBA players have guaranteed contracts. The owners are absolutely not going to pay them to not do their job. (laughs) Where do they do that? Especially, just like you said, millions of dollars.
1: True. True. This is true. So they opening it back up in one of the worst states right now. Like, Florida is probably, like, putting up the most ridiculous numbers, like, when it comes to it. And I see why, because they had a town hall meeting where this lady said that masks are the devil. Um, it should be against the law to force people to wear masks. Um,
2: yeah, the other lady at that same meeting said that she don't wear a mask for the same reason she don't wear underwear, because things need to breathe. <laughs> That happened. Same town hall. Florida is crazy. You know, like there was that episode of Atlanta where you had the Florida man. Dude was talking about the Florida man. Just type in Florida man in your phone. It's going to populate a bunch of ridiculous shit.
1: Yeah. It is. Florida it man is. in your birthday. Have you, you done it Florida Florida for your man birthday? Your birthday birth- I have.
2: it was something about some alligators dude eating the alligator, doing some crazy. I don't know. It was something stupid. It's going to always be something stupid.
1: Shout out to Florida. Uh <laughs>
2: But them yeah. opening up in Florida, again, speaks to the hypocrisy of the NBA. They originally shut down because one person tested positive, positive. that was Rudy Gobert, I believe. Now when you decide to resume the season, you are going to send your players into damn near the epicenter of the COVID-19 and just basically say, fuck them. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, at the same the money, time, neither. while supposedly painting Black Lives Matter on the basketball court. Which there's irony in that because the majority of your players are black. And if black lives matter, why are you sending them into the epicenter of COVID-19?
1: But they get to customize their jerseys. Symbolic
2: gestures (laughs) and (laughs) symbolic victories to pacify black people. is what we get all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I agree we should take down Confederate statues because they probably should have never been erected in the first place. But will taking down Confederate statues lead to economic equity? No. Will it make our schools better? No. Will that stop the police from shooting black people? No. It might have the opposite effect since we, or at least me, I believe, that most of the policemen are Klansmen anyway. So now that we're going to tear down their heritage in the name of Black Lives Matter, they're going to ramp up the violence on black people because they're pissed off. We already see that they're resigning all around the nation because they have been told they can't just beat on black people with impunity. So
1: that is that is very interesting, you know, switching, you know, since you, we were talking about COVID and we know it's really affecting a lot of black people and then we go to the Black Lives Matter movement and it's like to see a lot of the police officers quitting because they can't they can't kill people and, and get away with it it's kind of like oh you mean to tell me we can't kill these niggas? I quit this job that's what the fuck I signed up for in the first place that's what, that's what kind of thing that I'm processing in my mind it's like damn I'm quitting this shit because I can't go out here and fuck a nigga up without impunity.
2: For me all of that is I mean, black people, niggas, we've known what the police were doing in our community for the longest. The only people that are surprised by this are white people. And if if there are black apologists for the police out there, they're surprised by it, too, because everybody wants to believe in the myth of the good police officer. I'm not one who believes in that because at minimum, they're all complicit when it comes to the bad police officers. As long as you have the blue wall of silence, which is in and of itself a policy to protect the bad officers, then y'all are all bad. It, it it doesn't make sense to me.
1: I got a question. As a as a young black man, when was the first time a police officer pulled a gun on you one? And when was the first time a police officer put his hands on you unjustly?
2: Uh coming from a high school basketball game, the game that just let out. There was a McDonald's across the street from the Everybody school. hung out at McDonald's. We walking over to the <laughs> McDonald's. Police roll up on me and my homeboy like seven cars deep. They jump out, guns everywhere, telling us that we had just robbed a pawn shop. And we're like, no, we just came from that basketball game that let out right there. And uh, we trying to provide evidence through tickets or whatever. They don't want to see none of that. One of the cops yelling at me with a gun in my face, telling me, that's you, that's you with the braids, that's you with the braids right there, the cornrows. I had dreads. At the time. And uh so, you know, that again speaks to the fact that they have no cultural awareness of anything that we're going through anyway, because if you confuse confusing braids and dreadlocks, we already have a problem. Uh but that was the first time, man. You know, throw you on the ground with guns in the face, and then they actually didn't even take us to the police station. They, they took us to the pawn shop to try to have the owner of the pawn shop identify us right then and there. No lineup, no nothing. Took us to the pawn shop. Bro, where was this? <laughs> this was in Daleville, Alabama. What?
1: What? Well, how old were you? 15, 16, something like that. What grade was that? I mean, that's what tenth, 10th, eleventh, 11th. tenth, eleventh grade. Okay. <clears throat> uh, eighth grade, Blyville, Arkansas. Um, we get released to go and eat, you know, before a football game, and uh, we go to eat. We walk back to the school and or ride our bikes, or uh, you know, some of us was driving at the time, but. This particular day, we was all walking, and uh, somebody had been busting our windows in, in in the neighborhood or wherever close by the school. So, we walking. We got our football jerseys on. <laughs> East junior high, we all got blue jerseys on. So, if we're going to be busting windows out, our dumbasses wouldn't be doing it in junior high football jerseys. It just doesn't make sense to do that. So, police rolled up on us two cars deep, and I'm talking about wasn't no questions asked. They just jumped out the car, pulled the guns down on us, made us get on the ground they searched us and you know they pressing it up against our head they didn't really rough us up but they did put that gun in our heads real tough and i was just like damn over some windows (laughs) like we ain't stole nothing we ain't hit nobody we ain't killed nobody and and it took one of the coaches to actually you know i'm saying like talk shit to the police before they actually bagged up off of us and and the real fucked up part about that situation for me and the second one I'm about to tell you about uh, where we actually got beat up. <laughs> it was like it was black police officers that was doing it the, like that was with the white guys. I was like, damn, man, you ain't going to like say, nah, bro, chill out or nah, we're not going to do it like this. You ain't going to step in on this. And for the most part, nah, they're not going to stand in the way of that. But uh, the second time, which was the wildest. Spring Break 2005, my me, my boy Greg, Courtney, another one, he's going to be on the show here in the next couple weeks. weeks, um, BJ, Steve, and one of Greg's cousins, we were all in New York, uh, we went shopping, sightseeing that day, um, we were leaving Harlem, passing by the Cotton Club, we were about to go under a bridge, I remember, and we were about to head back to Greg's house and. Police pulled up on us like, I wanna say like six cars deep. They they come out as like, uh, they asking us questions and then I don't know, I don't even know what triggered them to get just get aggressive. Nobody was being disrespectful because man, we shit, at the time, I think 18, 19 years old at the at the oldest. Man, they snatched us out of that car. They beat us up. They punched us in our stomachs, threw us all over the hood. It had been raining that day, so they threw us on the ground. They emptied all our clothes out. Uh, BJ was a snack nigga, but he had these Pringles chips. They took the chips and just emptied it all in the car, took the panels off the car. And when they ain't find nothing, they said, don't bring your black ass back to New York. Bye. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <clears throat>
2: And that was the answer right there as to why they did what they did. They got all aggressive because y'all's black asses had the nerve to exist in New York, but really just to exist in the United States of America.
1: It's wild, man. Like, dude gave me a gut punch, man. I I looked at the black dude next to me. I'm like, hey, nigga, you ain't going to help me? Like, he said, hey, man, just chill out. It'll be over soon. (laughs) Listen, man, there's, there's
2: always throughout history of this country, since black people arrived here in the 1600s in slave ships, there's always been black people that are agents of white supremacy. We, we can't be surprised by this at this day and age. And uh, when it comes to a system like the police system uh, that we have here, all systems, they're called systems because they work. And there's always going to be a way of weeding out those who will go against the system. So if a black dude got through the vetting process to become a police officer nine times out of ten, they vetted him well enough to know that he was going to go along to get along, or he was just going to want to brutalize black bodies just like they do, or at least stand by and watch it happen, like what happened to y'all.
1: Man, I, I, I hope that, I want to say that, you see, you, you are on the, on the side of like, um, there are no good ones. You know, I've got some yes. good friends that are police officers, and, and I would hope that they are not participating in that. I, I, if you would tell ask me right now, there's nothing that you could tell me to say that they are participating in that type of foolery. You would have to show me that shit. So, uh, that's just how tight we are, and I believe that they are for that. But, man, just to know that these dudes are just standing there watching, I was just like, yo, this is fucked up. Like... And it's crazy as Greg's dad was a police officer in D.C. Like, Courtney's uncle was a big police officer in uh, Detroit. Both of them called up. And they told him, hey, man, listen, you ain't in New York. This, this is how we handle shit here. And hung the fucking phone up on him. <laughs> like, I was like, what? Like, you didn't even know checks and balances amongst the police to try to, you know, check them for being wrong, man. Like, so it's just like, Wow, like, we really just, like, they could have really took that shit a step further and it would have been their word against ours.
2: Good cops have no place in the police force, man. That's just really what it is. Just like the situation you just presented. A good cop maybe called up to try to check them on what they did and what did they tell them? Get fucked. That's basically what happened.
1: Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty fucked up, man. <laughs> like, shit. Eighth grade and freshman year in college were, like, those were two times where... Like, yeah, I got beat the fuck up by the police, and I didn't even do shit. And, uh, like I said, like, you, you would think an eighth grader throwing rocks in windows, you'd think his dumb ass wouldn't be wearing, like, the school uniform for a football game. Like, this is the day of the game. Like, why would we be out here doing that type of foolery? So, you know, it just not didn't, you know, they just did what they did, and it, it's, it's fucked up. But, you know, it's just to hear you say, hey, man, good police have no position of no part of being in the police department that shit holds weight like a motherfucker
2: we got plenty of evidence to support it i don't i don't have a whole lot of evidence to support the myth of the good police officer it, i just don't see it seeing police dance with people every now and then because every time something fucked up happens with the police we see videos of them uh, dancing with the hooping, in the par, you know hooping in the park throwing the a par. football bringing ice cream to some kids or something like that but that doesn't do, undo all the damage that y'all do to us on a daily basis, man. Those kids are traumatized. Those kids' brothers and sisters are traumatized. Their parents are traumatized. They've been traumatizing us for generations. And if you think you doing the nay-nay is going to fix that, <laughs> then we got some other problems.
1: It's a whole ritual I have to go through. If I get pulled over, I have to cut the car completely off. I have to roll my windows down and keep my hands on the steering wheel just so I know the cop feels comfortable where he doesn't feel threatened to want to jump off and it's fucked up because if i don't do that i feel like your life is in danger son like you you this could be your last time and that, that happens even even you don't even have to have the police pull you over the lights flashing behind you and them passing by you will put you in a situation where you're fearing oh shit i gotta deal with these motherfuckers and it shouldn't be that way
2: I mean, the only feeling that I get when I, I get pulled over by the police, of course, at first I'm going to have that sinking feeling in my gut or whatever like that. But um, I don't really. It's a sinking
1: feeling, though. That feeling it is, still happens. It like, happens. It's no hard matter hard. how calm you get yourself after that, you still have that, that butterfly, that nervous feeling initially. Like, no matter how much you calm yourself down before you actually have to interact with them, just the initial brunt of it. Like, you know, white people don't do that. They don't feel that shit.
2: The police are here to protect and serve them. Why would they do that? I mean, it's just like you had the case of the white woman who called the police on the dude, and I believe it was New York, and starts screaming, talking about, a black man is messing with me, a black man. She was trying to weaponize her whiteness to uh, alert the police, hey, I'm white, and it's one of them. The enemy is over here messing with me. Y'all need to hurry up and come do damage to this Negro. That's just really what it's about, man. I mean, the police were never here to serve and protect black people.
1: Damn. Message.
2: <laughs> like, I really like the relationship that black people have with the police. Too, like we got we got battered woman syndrome when it comes to the police. You know, or, or we are we are the wife at home getting beat up by the police. But then the cop goes out to the public or to the white public and he shows this great face and he, he's this friendly guy, this wonderful guy. He could do no wrong, but they don't know that he's beating somebody up at home. And then when you come to him with the problem, they're just like, oh, well, Johnny would never do that. He, I've never seen that side of him before. Well, bitch, I got a black eye. You know what I'm saying? My brother got killed by Johnny. So don't tell me he's incapable of it. Just believe me when I tell you it's happening. And then the other part about it, when it comes to police brutality that black people have been receiving for generations upon generations, all the millions of black people that exist are telling y'all that racial profiling happens. We tell y'all that we fear for our lives just as they pull us over. We tell y'all that, hey, so many unarmed people have been getting killed in the community even before cell phones or smartphones came along for us to videotape this shit and y'all don't believe it. There's no situation in life where 43 million people are going to be in agreement with each other and reporting the same thing and they're all lying. This just doesn't make sense. You can't get 43 million people to agree on damn near anything. So why would we have been lying about this?
1: That's a point. And then it's, it's almost, it's kind of like, it's a slap in the face too. <laughs> and, it, and the crazy part about it, you know, a lot of this, the stuff that, that has been going on like, um, they feel like we've been making it up, of course. Um, but shit, now nah, we got, everybody's got a camera in their hand. Even with us recording the shit, they still don't understand it. Like, we got videos of a lot of these recent, you know, people who have died at the hands of the police. It's just live and in color. And it still is like, it don't mean shit. They still getting off. They still get to go home to their family. They still get witness protection. Like, this dude uh, Zimmerman is still in witness protection to this day off of government funding.
2: If you are protecting something, what does that mean to you? I protect things that I care about. I protect things that need protecting in the sense that they are valuable to me. I'm not going to protect the life that I don't want to protect. They're protecting these people for a reason, because they committed acts that they co-signed. And they are letting them know that they support them. They have their backs. In these situations. Yeah, we're gonna let you go ahead and retire and still receive your pension, even though you, by all intents and purposes, were convicted of killing this nigga over here, because you did what we wanted you to do. It just so happened that you got caught. The issue here is that they got caught, it's never that they weren't supposed to do it.
1: What about like all these um, proposed solutions, like uh, defunding the police, uh, police reform? Or just getting rid of police altogether. I think that was one of the three options that everybody's been talking about. It may have been a fourth. I can't remember the fourth right off the top of my head. But I, I like defunding, like cutting their funding down was one. Um, just a, a whole reform and reconstruction of, of of the whole police setup, and um, just get getting rid of abolishing the police.
2: The police absolutely need to be defunded, and they definitely shouldn't have all the militarized weapons that they have to use against the community. They obviously need to do away with things like no-knock warrants. Um, I personally believe that police should only come when they are called. I don't believe they should be riding around in residential neighborhoods Uh, just because that's what they want to do on their beat. And they don't really ride around in white neighborhoods, so why should they be allowed to patrol our neighborhoods? If they're not going to police us the same manner that they police white people, then they shouldn't police us at all. Um, But nine times out of ten, when police are around, they're not around to prevent anything from happening. They always come after the fact to begin with, so why should they not come when they're called?
1: (laughs) True. Now about, I don't know, I I got... Like I say, I got some good friends in the force, and you know what kind of guns is out here on the street. So if they're gonna protect and serve, and they have to come and defend you, like if you have to call them, like, hey man, it's a crazy ass white dude outside my house. He's got a a quick AK forty seven. He's got a a Draco. Well, white dudes ain't gonna do Dracos, but you know that's some hood shit. <laughs> but he's got a rocket launcher. We just saw that. I just saw that shit in the store the other day, which is wild as fuck. Um, like. I need y'all to come and get this dude away from me. I mean,
2: if there's a special situation going on, then maybe they calls for some special forces. Literally special forces. That can be a completely different unit from the police altogether. You call them literally when some crazy shit is going on. They don't need to be just militarized, still, riding around, fucking with people, though.
1: I mean, is that still police funding where they will get the special forces?
2: They already have the, the shit anyway. I mean, like, you really would just put some of this stuff in a vault and then just tell them they can't bring it out until they need it. Need. Not want. Need. The situation actually has to pre- present itself where this type of weaponry is needed.
1: I don't agree with the option of abolishing, but definitely, definitely defunding. I, I do agree with some defunding and some re, retooling and reforming the whole, you know, police, you know, how things are done. Um, Especially with having, like, a non-police committee actually patrolling the police when it comes to complaints and stuff like that. Like, like, Rico, if we were working at the same, on the same job, the same force, and uh, you get a complaint and I have to be the one to investigate you, I'm not going to put a lot of energy in investigating you.
2: Of course, that that person (laughs) at that point, they're taking their case from the wolf to the fox. You know what I'm saying? We all work together. First off, it's not going to look good for me as the police chief to have this sort of bad light on my uh, precinct anyway. So I'm not going to let the world know I got a bunch of bad officers in here. So it's just not not something that I'm going to do. But um, anybody who is allowed to investigate themselves is not going to convict themselves. I know what the fuck I did. I did it to begin with and I wanted to do it. I'm not guilty. I don't feel bad about it. I'm not going to turn myself in and have to face due process and all that. Why? Why would I do that? It makes no sense. And since we know that there is the blue wall and all this other shit, police supports police, it has to be out of the hands of police, period. Because if you send it to another precinct, they're just going to support the police. The blue lives, as they call it.
1: Yeah, this whole internal affairs. Um, just don't I just don't think it's a lot of energy going into investigating their own. It's just, just don't make sense.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's no energy going into investigating their own.
1: Yeah, it's just like the police who are, you know, back in the day, the police departments were run by KKK. So, you talking about yesterday? Oh, yeah, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody got hung, just like these black folks are getting hung out throughout the United States and they're saying it's suicide, which is complete bullshit. Um, so we're going to investigate ourselves on the murder we know we did. So it's just going to stay in unsolved mystery like you expect them to convict themselves and really commit the energy to finding themselves like
2: (laughs) only a fool would believe that could happen
1: right they're just gonna take our government funding they're gonna keep paying themselves to look for themselves and they're never gonna find themselves why they're just gonna laugh all the way to the bank all the way to the bank yeah man It's, it's wild man it's it's crazy that you know still people don't see it well Here's the thing. They they see it. They just don't give a fuck.
2: They don't give a fuck. They absolutely don't give a fuck. They see it. They've been seeing it. They've always known it existed, especially when it comes to white people. I mean, like, this ain't just a racist statement, but the white people know what's going on because it's their brothers. It's their cousins. It's their sisters. It's whoever is racist is in their family. They know. Or it's a friend of the family. They know. They've heard about this stuff. They sit at the table and hear the racist comments coming out of their friends and family's mouth, and they probably go unchecked nine times out of ten because, you know, they don't want to rock the boat. And, you know, that term still exists in the white community. I saw it the other day on uh, Facebook, nigger lover. They, who wants to be called a nigger lover, you know?
1: So, I mean, I had a bullet on here about the climate of today. Like, like what, like, like, do you see this a lot more? Like, do you see, like, the dynamics have changed? Uh... Like, to be more aggressive, is everything, like, on the fringe of just turning the fuck up right now? Do you feel that tension in the air right now, or do you feel like things are kind of like they've always been? Or is it, you think it's, it's elevated at this point?
2: I think the aggression is elevated. The racism itself has always been there. Uh, I don't know, we can liken it to, like, you got an ant pile. You see the ant pile, and it's all calm and everything like that but something stirred stirred up the little ant pile and now these motherfuckers are running wild. Going crazy. Donald Trump came along and stepped on the ant pile and he has released these people into the world and they they out here running wild, man. They feel they feel emboldened by their president who gets on Twitter Every day and find some sort of way to show them that he's in solidarity with them. He'll retweet some racist shit. And then all of a sudden he didn't know it was racist and he'll apologize about it later. (laughs) This this shit happens every fucking day. You make the same mistake every day. Right. Like, who believes that's happening?
1: Nobody. Uh, Absolutely nobody. nobody. So Um,
2: when you have the person with the highest title in the land showing you support and solidarity with you, you feel like you're above the law and and above approach and nothing's going to happen to you, so you just go out and you do what you do. And then the other side of that is like when they do get caught and even white people start to check them and they lose their jobs for the... Really, they lose these jobs to save face for the company. It has nothing to do with the person at the top not agreeing nine times out of ten because they probably do agree, but it's bad for business. Um, They usually get GoFundMe set up in the name and these people become rich from being racist.
1: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's, It's insane. Racists, hey, they got long money being racist. I mean, they've been running shit for a while, so they got long money, old money, to support their racist brothers and sisters. So it's just, it's nothing new. You know, it's it's nothing new. It's been around for a while. Um, They can't lose, man. A question before we, we're going to have to take a break, uh, a little commercial break in a second, but we were discussing this before we got on here. We were talking about the Black Lives Matter movement is kind of losing a little bit of steam. And the reason why it's losing is because we got peaceful.
2: It's definitely because we got peaceful. In the, in the, it was about two weeks, that two-week period when the uh, riots, as they call them, started happening and black people started burning up shit and tearing down buildings or doing whatever that they was doing. We got more energy from legislators and people talking about police reform and and, and wanting to do something for the black community and writing up laws and stuff than we ever have before. Why is that?
1: All right. We'll get back to that after a little short break here. And uh, we'll be back in a second. Y'all today's episode of off safety was brought to you by Lenco management, LLC, your one-stop shop for DJ services, photography, property management, and even artist management. So if you want to join a team or if you need any help or assistance with any of the aforementioned services, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me at DJ Lenny at LLC.com Email me and I do respond as quickly as possible, okay? If you want to join a team, let's go and let's make your dreams come true. All right, we are back. We are back. Welcome back to All Safety. Had a quick bathroom break, um, drink break, food break, whatever it is you had to do. It's all good. Um, but we left off talking about the Black Lives Matter movement and how we feel it's losing a little bit of steam because quite frankly, we, we starting to chill out. We're we nonviolent now. Uh, we, we stopped being so aggressive with, our movement and what we wanted Uh, when everything was i guess they said it was riots but you know i think it's people expressing their feelings um we had a lot of talk a lot of chatter about actually making a difference uh we've got like a lot of states with black lives matter painted in the streets but only one state has gotten rid of police impunity one
2: I mean we may really Just have to get back In the streets again And start Fucking shit up again The Violence of the oppressor Has to be met with violence Man like They only understand One language You have to speak The same language That they speak They've been showing us For years that The marching ain't working Standing in the streets With picket signs Ain't working Because while the whole while We're doing that, They're still beating us Upside the head We go out there peacefully and they show up with riot gear and guns and they begin to beat us upside the head. So obviously they don't care about us being peaceful. And I've said this before. Black people have signed this proverbial peace treaty, but we are the only people who have signed it. Peace has to be agreed upon on both sides. We can't be the only ones being peaceful or so-called nonviolent. And when people are perpetrating violence against you, you are not violent when you try to defend yourself. That doesn't make sense. Violence is the act of an aggressor. You defending yourself to get them off of you just makes you an intelligent human being. And we have to get this idea out of our head that we can't fight back or we can only fight one way. First of all, the way that they are telling us to fight is a way that they are telling us to fight. And they are who we are fighting against. The person that you are fighting against (laughs) is not qualified to tell you how to fight him. You need to do whatever you need to do to get him to stop doing what he is doing to you.
1: It's like saying, hey, bro, we finna throw these hands, but no kicking.
2: Yeah, no kicking. <laughs> right, you can only use your left hand. I'm going to use all my hands and feet. You know, I'm going to bite, kick, punch, and use a gun, but you can only use your left hand. That's basically the battle that we're up against. They use every tool possible against us and then tell us that all we can do is stand in the streets with signs or march or petition our politicians or whatever the case may be. We, we have to make no fuss, no ruckus while they murder us and brutalize us and sentence our brothers and sisters to jail for 5 and 10 and 20 years for dime bags of weed and different shit like that. At what point do we fight back? And In all honesty, for me, I support the Black Lives Matter movement, of course, because I'm black, but I'm not with the idea of begging another human being to see my humanity. Because at the end of the day, that's basically what we are doing. We are begging someone to recognize us as human beings. And I'm not really on that page. If we want to convince them that Black Lives Matter, we have to do that by showing them Black Lives Matter and defending Black Lives anytime that they start murdering us and brutalizing us. Rather than standing around filming it, we need to just go ahead and take some action. A lot of us will probably get hit in the process. Yeah, we, we know the cops are obviously not just going to bow down and let us come... Grab them off of a brother, but if enough of us are out there and it's only two cops and we do our thing, it is what it is. Or if we got some guns, they got guns trained on one of our people, we pull out some guns and we got the drop on them, what they gonna do? Lower your gun, get your gun out that man face, and handle this shit the way you are supposed to handle it. That's my take.
1: I agree, man. Um I've been saying it, man. A lot of people, you know, I, I, they say I got a fucked up view about it. I said, man, tear this shit up. Fuck it up man I really wish Like a lot of the Damages to buildings and things like that Could have stayed away from A lot of black owned businesses Um, I'm not gonna lie to you If it was one of my businesses I'd file an insurance claim Hey man I'm a clatter of it I just gotta put up a sign and say Hey this is a black owned business Hopefully that'll keep You know black people from fucking it up Uh, But You know what I'm saying like I really wish they would have aimed it at a lot of the federal buildings. Let's, let's go after, you know, these legislative buildings. Let's go after these courthouses because they ain't really feeling the, the brunt of these businesses getting tore up. All they doing is filing insurance claims. And at the end of the day, we spending the insurance company's money. The people whose stores it is, they ain't even, they come out of a pocket for a deductible. Like that's it, man. You know, I just, you know, let's let's fuck up the, the federal buildings. That's where the taxes, that's where the taxes are, are, are being um that's where the taxes are being paid to, man. And um like I said, man, I, I just feel like everybody wanna want us to be a Dr. King <laughs> and be nonviolent because that's what they they don't want to see us really get get with the shits. Now, do I think that as a whole we're ready for that type of war? Nah, these motherfuckers been loading up ammo and guns for decades, man. I just went to a gun store and this dude came out with a rocket launcher. I'm in there getting like some bullets. He has a rocket launcher.
2: And that's wild. Uh, if the lines are actually drawn, like if you're talking about a full-on race war, if that's what we're talking about, then obviously we're going to lose that one. Well, not only do they have more guns, they have hundreds of millions of more people. You know what I'm saying? So we're we going to be outnumbered in that sense anyway. But if we're just talking about fighting back against the police, we have the police outnumbered.
1: I agree. I agree. So, But the police agree. ain't the only ones we got to worry about. Because mm. the police are protecting who? They ain't protecting us. They're protecting the white folks. So the white folks is is going, well, the racist white folks are going to, you know, be on the police's side because they still want that protection so they can continue to do the fucked up shit that they're doing. Um, another thing I forgot to do before we came back, uh, when we came back from the break, I wanted to introduce our guest for this first episode. She fine, y'all. It's my wife. Hey, boo.
3: Hey. (laughs) Sheesh, you niggas is rude. I've been sitting over here for 30 minutes and ain't got no introduction yet. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) y'all.
1: We want to get a a woman's perspective on this. Um, we want to, you know, like maybe we just got too much, um testosterone on our end. Like, we want to, I want to make sure that we ain't tripping with our our view on it and what we think our, you know, what our approach is to the Black Lives Matter movement and what direction it is going in and how you feel about us saying that we feel like it's losing steam.
3: No. Tear it up. I listened to a lecture years ago by uh, uh, David Banner, the God Box lecture, and he said that White people only understand two things, loss of life and loss of profit. So, you know, we are getting pretty good at the loss of profit side because, you know, we're calling out the racist, people are getting fired, you know, we're boycotting businesses that that uh, refuse to um, denounce racism or whatever, but they not gonna feel they're not gonna get it until they know how it feels to bury their own. I think you know. Uh, I should probably give you all a disclaimer that my thoughts and my comments are mine and not are not reflective of any employer or brand. Uh, but yeah, man, we gotta tear it up. They don't. They only understand one thing. And then you know, a lot of people like to talk about black on black crime and gang violence. Who the hell do you think taught us that? Who do you think we get this violence from?
1: The Gambinos. Everywhere
3: (laughs) everywhere that a white man has put his boot, he has raped and pillaged. From sea to shining sea.
2: (laughs) Black on black crime is a talking point for racists and black apologists for racists. Absolutely. Everywhere around the globe... You kill and steal where you live.
3: Where you live. It's about proximity. It's
2: all about proximity. And nine times out of ten, you are going to live around people who look like you. It just is what it is.
3: You know why? Redlining.
2: Redlining. Not only redlining, but we feel more comfortable around people who look like us. It just is what it is. You have Mexican communities. You have Asian communities. You got Indian communities. You have whatever group of people you can think of that are... Separated by race They all tend to live near each other They go to church together You know, or whatever They hang out in the same places We feel good around our own people When you walk into a room, a meeting somewhere that you ain't never been before You look for a black person And y'all will probably turn your head up at each other To That's acknowledge y'all's existence If y'all don't just go find each other and sit by each other Because <laughs> we feel comfortable with our own kind Just like anybody else So it is what it is It's like if we move into white neighborhoods one two three of us moving that they're gonna start moving out or they're gonna turn up the uh, pressure on you to get you to move out
1: and it's funny how the same neighborhood just because a lot more black people move into it it all of a sudden the property value starts to go down it's no it's not like people like black people ain't taking care of their yard because you got black folks that's gonna edge up their yard make sure they got green grass it ain't that we got a bunch of broke-down cars in the driveway. Nah, it ain't nothing that's cosmetically causing us to make this property value go down. It's because they kind of control the market. <laughs> they controlling the market to say, "Hold oh, up, that, that's not a good neighborhood. Um it, It's not. It's it, it's it's a little sketchy now. It ain't sketchy. It's just that the blacks
2: have the moved black. in.
1: <laughs> you ain't comfortable with us is. making the same kind of money <laughs> that you make, man. It's it's crazy, man. Like they they fear." The racists fear a level playing field. They really do. Because as long as they've had the upper, upper hand on us, they've won convincingly. And they've seen a level, anything close to a level playing field they couldn't hang.
3: Well, you know what that fear is. They fear that one day we might retaliate instead of just taking the, le- the level playing field and going on and doing our thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. what was it, that Langston Hughes quote? Um, The Negro, so docile, so sweet, fear the day that he isn't. Yeah. Something like that. That probably isn't it to the T, but you get what I'm saying.
3: (laughs) Yeah, man. And then you think about, you know, our elders moved into places just like East Atlanta Village.
1: Right. Right.
3: Right around here. They moved into these places, you know, it may have been historically white. They moved into these places, bought houses. Then, all of a sudden, the property value goes down. They drive the taxes up way high, push Mm -hmm. these people out of their houses, and then what they do? Put a Starbucks and a Whole Foods up. (laughs) Gentrification.
1: It's wild, man. Um, John Varner, he's a doctor um, here in Atlanta. Uh, He's been practicing for some years, and he came over here to pick up something from the apartment. He's like, hey, man, uh, when you told me where you was at, I was like, okay, Lenny living around, you know, I grew up in this area. This is, is, you know, this is all black right here. This was all black at one point when he was growing up. And he said, oh, they didn't change this. This is gentrified as hell. Y'all got two-story houses over here. All these houses were one level, three bedrooms, some of them two bedrooms, and one bathroom per house. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at, like, a lot of the houses that haven't had upgrades or renovations, they look like the older Atlanta houses that you saw in a lot of the pictures of a lot of the people who were in the movement uh, back in the 60s. But if you look around this neighborhood now, (laughs) the rent in this apartment is seventeen hundred dollars, man. It's crazy for a two bedroom apartment. I don't even think we got fourteen hundred square feet in this bitch. Seventeen hundred dollars for this apartment. And this is cheap. Like everything else that has come up over here is above twenty two hundred for a two bedroom.
3: And then you got million dollar houses just one street over.
1: Yeah, I could I could throw a baseball and hit that that house on the corner, and that's a million dollars. That one right down the corner because it's a corner lot. A million dollar house, bro. Wow.
3: In East Atlanta Village, where Gucci from?
2: <laughs> nah, where Gucci from?
1: Hey, listen, the Welcome to East Atlanta sign is literally right there. Yeah. Like. Less than it's the same zip code. Put it that way, <laughs> like the zip code don't even change, and it's it's ah, it, it's wild, man, just to see it happen. And I, I've seen it happen in a lot of neighborhoods in Birmingham. Yeah. Um. You know the the you know I was in was in Birmingham what? Well, I was in Birmingham from over four to two thousand sixteen, and I've seen like certain areas. Like remember Homewood was. Supposed to be this nice place, and now that black people are in Homewood because they wanted their kids to go to Homewood High School, and you know, be in a better education, um, quote unquote, man, that's that's all, that's up in the air for me uh, as far as being better, better educated because you went to a school that had a lot of white teachers, but you see how like Homewood changed when a lot of black people came in. Now Homewood, they say, ah, you. You probably shouldn't go to Homewood. Black folks started moving into Hoover, they went and built Spain Park. So it's, it's, it's one of those things like, damn, we can't get away from these niggas.
2: <laughs> White flight is real, though. I White mean, they flight, have a yeah. term for it. That's how you know White it's, real. it's real. White flight.
3: And then when they decide, you know, the property value gets super low, they're they going to come buy in up and buy up everything. And put and up a then, Starbucks and a Whole Food, And then raise
2: the <laughs> property value right back up sky high.
3: And
1: drive all of us out again. It's it's crazy because when I first got to Birmingham, um, white people were leaving downtown and going to, like, your McCullough's, your Hoover, Helena, and black people were moving into downtown Birmingham when I first got there. It wasn't a lot of condos and nothing like that, so... You look at Birmingham now, man, you got a lot of condos being thrown up. People are renovating these empty buildings that were downtown. And these condos are like almost up to three dollars to $4,000 a month in downtown Birmingham. It's crazy, man. And then like a lot of the folks, you know, black folks are starting to live in Helena now. They're starting to live in Calera. They're starting to live in Alabaster. There's a lot of black people out there now. And all the, the white flight, <laughs> they're migrating back to the city. They buying up these condos and these downtown living, and it's crazy, man. Like I say, it's a term for investing it now.
3: Investing in the entertainment district.
1: And yes, investing in the entertainment district now. You know, you know, it's, it's, it's wild that that Birmingham, like I've seen it happen, to where people, the white folks, left downtown, and now they're coming back, and now the, the value's going up. I remember the Phoenix building. Right behind the police station, right there next to um, Plum Bar. That those losses were going for like nine hundred a month. <laughs> they were going for like nine hundred a month at one point, and at one point it was income based for the loss at the Phoenix Building. And now I think shit, it's like three thousand dollars to rent one of them mugs now. Crazy, it's wild, man. <laughs>
2: My sister has a, a good theory on how to stop gentrification. Um, her idea is that when you see any white people start jogging around the neighborhood, you know the gentrifying is already happening, and she says to rob them.
3: <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, that is a brilliant fucking so, idea.
2: When you see too many white people start jogging in the black neighborhood or black area, just start robbing them. That's, that's how she said to get rid of them I, I'm, I, I'd i love to try it
1: Now <laughs> Think about that man That word was spread so fast I got robbed while jogging In my neighborhood I was really investing in this house here But I don't think I should invest in this neighborhood
2: Yeah it'll rattle you
3: <laughs> I mean but then you have to think About the flip side of that Now you got more police patrolling Our neighborhoods And policing us and, and, you know, stopping frisk and racial profiling and all of that now.
2: I think they're already here anyway.
3: Yeah, they are. That's true.
2: So that part don't change.
1: It's a great fucking idea. I'm not going to lie to you.
2: I like
3: that shit.
1: <laughs> I really like it. I'm not saying I'm out here robbing people in the neighborhood when no, I see them. No, we are not jogging. Jack Boys. Um, not anymore. <laughs> We're,
2: <high five> boys. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're not the Jack Boys.
1: Uh, But that was a great fucking idea. I'm, I got to call her and let her know that was pretty fucking dope. Yeah. <laughs> it's got legs. Yeah, it's got legs. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the joke. I mean, uh, but... Uh, so, from the Black Lives Matter perspective with everything that's going down, I really... You know, it's not much covered on TV anymore about it. You know, um, where do we go from here? Because I, I feel like they... Hey man, let's paint some fucking streets and send ass yeah, on home. Aesthetic. It's it's it, it's it feels aesthetic. It's nothing that's changed. Uh,
2: I feel like if we wait a week, they're gonna kill somebody else, and at that point, we can ramp stuff back up. Because it's going to happen. We all know it's going to happen. It's, didn't it's, they just, it's almost like didn't somebody
1: else just die not too, not too long ago?
3: Yeah, they just killed the. How old was the guy? I, I don't remember. It was in uh, Aurora, Colorado, I think. The kid that was walking down the streets with his headphones and he was listening to music flailing in his hands and somebody called the police. Um, the caller did say that it didn't seem like, you know, he was suspicious or anything, but, you know... He might have been on drugs or something. And so they accost this kid, throw him down. And even to his last breath, he was telling them how he loved them and they were kind and all of this. And he was special. He, not special, but he was telling them, you know, I'm an introvert. Like, you know, please don't do this to me. I'm a good kid. You don't have to do this. And da, da, da. And they suffocated him, put him in a chokehold and choked him. He passed out. And then they shot him up with, uh, what's the horse tranquilizer? They shot him in the back of the head. Not shot him, but gave him a shot in the back of the head, and it was a lethal dose, and it killed him.
1: What are they doing with horse tranquilizer?
3: Apparently, the EMTs carry up for people who uh, are resisting arrest or, you know, are hyped up off drugs or something like that. What was his name? Elijah something. What the fuck? And Breonna Taylor's killers are still a-loose.
1: They're still a-loose. Like, she was in her bed sleep.
3: (laughs) Elijah McClain is his name.
1: Will they ever arrest the killers of Breonna?
3: I don't know, man. So, I got a theory, a gripe with the Black Lives Matter movement, you know. Um women don't get the same attention as men. And so it always feeds into that theory that the black woman though. is the least respected and protected individual on the planet. But we don't I've not seen I've not seen I'm speaking personally the same energy for Brianna that I saw for George Floyd and Amar Aubrey and oh, it's Not true. comparing them.
1: It's it's not you're not comparing them. There was a um
3: it's kind of like it's you a, it's, say, a, it's, fizz, it's fizzling
1: out, like we're losing momentum. Right. We we are definitely losing momentum. But there was a video, uh, what's the white lady that be calling white folks out for being racist?
2: Jane Elliott.
1: Jane. So Jane. Love Jane. She uh she said, Hey, uh, I want everybody to stand up. And I want you to sit down if you hear a name that you recognize. So of course she started naming off all the women that have died at at the hands of the police. And a lot of those folks were still standing. And I ain't gonna lie to you, I had to go and look up some of those names. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, dude, I didn't even know about these. And and you know, I, I kind of try to stay in the loop on a lot of stuff, but it was it was a lot of those names I hadn't no, I had no idea that that happened. And you know I I'll be the first to say hey man I've been wrong before. <laughs> it's I don't know everything. And But to sit here and Like if I was in that crowd would been, I would have been sitting down Because she said some names I did know Of course everybody knows about Sandra Bland mm-hmm. So But she's like for the majority of this I've been naming off names of Black women That have died at the hands of police And a lot of you know nothing about it Alright so for everybody else that's still standing She started naming off the men She named three men and everybody was already sitting down
2: I mean, what would you attribute that to, though? Because we don't have a way of finding out if it ain't being reported first by maybe the family members of that that, that victim or then the community of the victim where it happened at uh, if the news picks it up. Because it's going to have to spread by word of mouth first or through, through social media. Now, I know for me, and I, I ain't excusing nothing that you said. I actually agree with you um, that the black woman is the most underprotected and most disrespected person, human on the face of this earth. Um, but when it comes to somebody like uh, George Floyd And Ahmaud Arbery And different things of that nature We have actual video of this happening And it, it went viral And it spread in that manner And so people have that on the forefront of their minds So that could explain why they get the attention The attention that they get But as far as this uh, slew of black women being murdered by At the hands of police that nobody knows nothing about I, I don't have any explanation for it But I think their family and friends Need to do more too Possibly.
3: And so uh, to retract, I was wrong. Elijah McClain was killed in uh, 2019, August 2019 but with the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement his case is coming out and the body cam images and videos are coming out now. So he's getting some national attention. (laughs) But still, you know, I agree with that too Rico, like when you I'm sure it's millions of black names that we just have not heard
1: mm-hmm. of. And oh, it's happening everywhere. I'm pretty sure every state has a case where police have killed a black man. I mean, uh, you on had Black, black
2: make a song about all the black people that have been murdered by police, and he just went down the alphabet, and he literally had a, a person yeah. who was killed by the police we, for every letter we, in the alphabet.
3: Did we hear that?
2: What are the odds of that happening unless there is a real problem?
3: Right. And then he left a lot of people out because I was like, when I heard the song, I was like, well, dang, he didn't say such and such, or he didn't say such and such, or he could have put, you know, somebody else here. Like, yeah, you he could
2: have put several people for several, several of those years. letters. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he just went one he, name you, per letter. run
3: out of alphabet. <laughs> Insane. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's wild, man. Um I'm... Yeah, we didn't really mean to go extremely heavy on y'all for the first episode, yeah, but
0: um,
1: it's a lot of shit that really need to be addressed out here, man. Um, I really don't want to be censored. Um, I, I, like I said, this shit is called All Safety for a reason, man. We're going to talk about what the hell we want to talk about. We're going to air it out. If you agree, cool. If you don't agree, man, it's cool. We can agree to disagree. But, you know, you know, always feel free to reach out and let us know how you feel about it, man. We'll... We'll, you know, we'll put it into dialogue, but I I, I honestly feel like, yeah, man, I feel like it's losing steam behind um, us turning docile and doing what they want us to do, which is walk down the street with a sign and do a chant, because...
3: But you can't disrupt traffic, Um, you know can't talk to people personally. They don't want you to record. Uh, you basically got to, I mean, what is the right time? What is the right way to protest?
1: Here's one One more thing before I get it to you, man. Uh, no peace treaty, no, like, truce has ever been made before shit hit the fan. Never in history, you can never, you can't tell me one peaceful conflict that that was resolved before shit got bad and really hit the fan.
2: No, both sides had to be tired of fighting, and both sides had to be tired because blood was being spilled on both sides. Mm-hmm. Until there is blood or damage on both sides, the other side has no reason whatsoever to stop doing what they're doing. This is true. None whatsoever. But again, I want to reiterate my point that. Your enemy is not qualified to tell you how to fight him. (laughs) And if he is going to tell you how to fight him, if he is not fighting by the same rules, then you tell him to go to hell. The only way you agree to the rules that your enemy wants you to fight by is if he agrees to them too. And even then, you probably don't need to do that. Because if he agreed to it, it's probably in his favor still. Yep. (laughs) Fight the motherfucker however you see fit to make whatever he is doing happen to you. Stop having it. Period.
1: Yep. Yep. There it is, man. Uh, We're about to shut it down for this episode. This is the very first episode of Off Safety. We're going to have some more people in here in the upcoming weeks. I want to thank our guest for the day, Ms. Tony Thompson.
3: Woohoo. child. Who was that?
1: Rico, what you got to say before we get out of here?
2: Hey, man. All Black Lives
1: Matter. <laughs> I like that. Oh,
3: love. That's
2: it. All black
1: lives matter.
3: And
1: and the Lakers are going to win the championship. They're not. (laughs) We'll get back to that on the next episode, man. We out of this thing. We will holler at y'all at another time. Uh, I hope y'all enjoyed it. Let us know uh, what you think. And we out.
0: The revolution is this genocide. Made a sex tape with your bitch. That pussy televised. Thug nigga with some exotic dreams. Erotic dreams. Fucking hella thoughts, but I really want me and Scotty Beam. Shit was different when Mike left, and it was Scotty team. X won't take me back without me, the bitch, when they got a ring. The revolution is the genocide. Tell a hoe she don't know nah. Trick daddy, slip and slide. Niggas. Yeah. Um, okay. 305, in my let a bitch, know that.